Exodus chapter number 3. I want to read verses 1 through 10 of this passage. If you'll stand with me, if you're able, as uh, I read these verses, you can follow along in your Bible. Uh, Beginning with verse number 1 of Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 3, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and all the Jebusites. Verse 9, And therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come upon me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." Let's pray together as we begin our message here uh, this evening. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to open your word and freely read it. Lord, you've laid some things on my heart that I want to share and be a help with to everyone here this evening. I do not intend to be lengthy or long, but I do want to be helpful. And I do pray, if anything, Lord, that you would allow me to be a blessing during these next few minutes. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, God is calling Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of Pharaoh's hand in the land of Egypt. Now, as you recall, this is after the death of of Joseph. There's a new Pharaoh in town, he's in charge. And this new Pharaoh is making life hard for the children of Israel. This new Pharaoh has them in bondage. I actually just got through teaching a series of lessons in our Sunday school, uh, teaching through the book of Exodus, and freedom from bondage. I enjoyed it. I hope everyone in the room did, but uh, it was a great series, and I really enjoyed teaching through that book. Uh, Moses has been brought up and called by God to deliver them out of bondage. Of course, you know the story. I think most of us would, if not all. Uh, He starts making excuses about how he can't do it, how the people won't listen to him. God, of course, assures him, hey, I'll be your voice. 
I'll tell you what to say. Well, the people won't listen to me. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, you tell them that the great I am. You remember that part? I like that part. The great I am have sent you. They'll listen to you. Just go out and do what I told you to do. Well, oh, you get uh, these initial chapters here where uh, you've got this uh, conversation between Moses and God. And Moses gives excuses and God assures him that he will be there. Now, that's not the message tonight because no one in here makes excuses, right? Whenever the Lord lays something on your heart, you just do it, right? Maybe I should preach a message on not making excuses. But anyway, that's for another time. But anyway, so they work it out. Praise the Lord. They work it out. And so here we are. We finally get it all worked out. And you have Moses and Aaron. Okay? If you know the backstory on that. God sends Aaron to help him out, and they go to Pharaoh. When Moses and Aaron approach this new Pharaoh in Exodus 5, he responds to them by saying this. He says, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. Now after this bold rejection from Pharaoh, God starts sending some plagues. And he, he sends, uh, we got one fresh water to blood. Frogs cover the land. Can you imagine these things? Lice is the dust of the land. Grievous swarm of flies. All these things start coming. And it seems like that Pharaoh is going to kind of come to a turning point. After most each of these, if not all of them, it appears, okay, maybe he's, he's going to change his mind. But then he still is hard-hearted. He's not going to do it. Sometimes it's of his own choosing. And sometimes the Lord did that to him. This evening we're going to see three, and I'm going to help you with this, three attempts that Pharaoh used to try and disrupt Moses and the Israelites from doing what they were supposed to do. There's three attempts here tonight that I want to share with you that I believe, unfortunately, I'm not trying to give the devil any credit, but he's still working to disrupt our lives today in these three areas. Now, I'm sure there's many more in this whole book, but there's three that I want to capitalize on here in our time together this evening. We start off with the first one in chapter 8 and verse 25, Exodus eight twenty-five. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do. For we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as He shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. But he makes this next statement. Only ye shall not go very far away. And Pharaoh is saying here, you can go, but don't go far away. Stay close to Egypt. This first attempt that we see tonight, the first thing I'm going to share and help us with, is we see an attempt to disrupt their faithfulness. Pharaoh is saying in this passage, he's saying, don't be so committed to doing exactly what God told you to do. He said, just, you, you can go, but don't go far away. Well, see, the problem with that is Moses knew that God had called them 
out to bring them in. And he had been very clear. Three days journey in the wilderness, sacrifice to our God. And Pharaoh says, oh, okay, you can go, but don't go too far away. Hasn't that been the story through the ages? We read in Bible passages and even today where God says to do this and the tempter, the devil, Satan, however you want to call it, kind of tempts us. Well, I know God said that, but you don't have to, you don't have to do it all. Just, just do this. And he tweaks it just a little bit. Moses is saying, we're not staying close to Egypt. We're following God's instruction to get completely out. Now, what's interesting is, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses, separate book, book of Deuteronomy, Moses is explaining to the children of Israel how to describe to their children what happened. And what I'm talking about, what happened is how God brought them out to bring them in. And I just want to share this with you quickly. In, in Deuteronomy 6, 21 through 23, you can, if it's on the screen, you can look at it there. You don't have to look it up yourself or listen, whatever. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bond, bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. Moses said, God has brought us completely out, not just not so far out, but completely out so that he can bring us in. God wants us completely out of Egypt to eventually bring us into the promised land. You know, and even today, God has brought us completely out of bondage to bring us into salvation and service. Aren't you thankful for that day that He brought us out? When He brought you out of the... You know, we sang that song, and I did that on purpose. I, first of all, it's kind of nice to, to learn some newer songs for those who didn't know that. But He brought us out. The songwriter said, out of the miry clay. That miry clay of sin, he brought us out of that. He did not bring us out just to kind of still mingle with it and stay close like Pharaoh was saying to Moses to do. He brought us completely out because he wanted to bring us into salvation and service. I, um, I am rereading, excuse me, re-listening to a book that our staff... Uh, as a staff years ago listened to, and uh, there was a period of time where, as a staff, we were, during our meetings, we would uh, recommend books to each other, and uh, we said, I'm reading this one, I'm reading that one, and, and one book that was recommended, and I, if I'm not mistaken, all of us ended up reading or listening to was a book called All In. And it was a book that was uh, teaching and promoting the fact of being all in for serving the Lord. Not just a day's journey out or staying close by as Pharaoh uh, uh, tempted Moses with doing, but being coming completely out and serving the Lord with full force and being all in. I remember uh, at some point after all of us had read the book, we went around in the staff room and uh, we said, I'm all in. I'm all in. In other words... I'm excited about serving God. I don't want to straddle the fence. I don't want to just be uh, so close to Egypt that I'm no good out in the service for the Lord. 
Passive Christianity is creating a numbness to the things of God. Lukewarm Christianity is destroying passionate Christian living. There is a philosophy today, if we're not careful, and it's sending a confusing message to the next generation. And it's saying, you know, you don't have to get all all excited. You don't have to go all in and, and be all for it. Just... Just do your little service for the Lord and just do this and just do that. Pharaoh's saying, Moses, uh, just kind of, you can, you can leave, but don't go far. And Moses said, no, that's not, the, that's, not the, uh, that's not what God told us to do. He called us out to bring us in and we're going to be all in and serving the Lord. Half in, half out Christianity is producing a laziness toward the things of God today in some lives. I want to encourage us tonight. Uh, we, I, I shared with you that illustration of our staff, but all of us tonight, to have that mindset of being all in, all in when it comes to our time with God, all in when it comes to sharing our faith, all in when it comes to discipling young Christians. I was talking to a man in our Sunday school class uh, just this past week, and uh, I told him, I, I'd been working on him, I'm trying to get him in discipleship. Uh, we believe in that. We believe in Witnessing, sharing our faith, seeing people saved, uh, uh, giving them the opportunity to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, and discipling them, teaching them, training them. I think there's something called the Great Commission in that. And so uh, I was, and he had some things going on this month. Well, finally he agreed. He goes, Yes, I am ready. This Wednesday night, I'm ready to start discipleship. I'm excited about that. But we need to be all in in our faithfulness to our ministry. All in in giving back to God. All in in raising a family for Jesus. When I was young, and even sometimes uh, in the early years of being on staff here, Brother Mutzler, you'll remember this. They they took us uh, uh, they took us on the inner not the inner tubes on the raft. Remember, we used to go rafting. We would go rafting. Let's see, there would be uh, there'd be what was it? Eight of us on a six man raft or something like that, and uh, we would. I had never done that in my life, okay? And so, but we'd pull over somewhere and we would uh, find a place to jump in. We'd find a big rock on the, on the cliff there. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm only talking about jumping like 50 feet in the water. I'm not talking about like 100 or nothing like that. Just kidding. Uh, you guys are like, really? No. And so we would, and, and, and most of the guys in that group were the guys that would just jump off and just, you know, we made sure it was safe and everything. But you had some people growing up. You ever met the people that came up to the swimming hole and they kind of dipped their toe? Uh, 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 I feel the, as Pastor Justin is, uh, at least he's awake. I'm glad he's awake. Uh, but you know anybody that does that? Raise your hand. You know any? You know, you know, okay. And then there's the person that just says, hang it, man. We're, in, we're all in. We're, di- we're diving in this thing. Okay. That's the kind of, that's the kind of guys we were. We just, di- we just dove all in instead of just filling the water to see, you know, is this something I'm going to like or not? You know, in our Christian life, God has brought us out. He's brought us out of that, that lifestyle that, that sinfulness of our past. And he has brought us in, you know what? To dive in and to get excited about the things of the Lord. Amen. I um, was so thrilled yesterday. Uh, I don't, Brother Pete's walking around making sure we're safe while we meet. And I appreciate that. 
but I was so, and I told him this tonight before the service. I said, I want you to know your words about your mother were powerful in yesterday's service. She was a lady who was all in. That's the kind of, you know what, I, I, left, I left that service yesterday hearing about Carol Munsterman. I knew her a little bit. She was in our class and such, but I didn't know her life. Man, I had to go home and get right with God. Good night. This lady was, she was on fire for the Lord. She was all in. And I thought, that's what I want to be. I want to be, be all in. Our time here on earth is too short to just be kind of wandering through. And, you know, just kind of whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the way I'm going to go. Our time on earth here is on purpose. And God has a purpose for us. And Pharaoh said, you can go, just don't go very far. The world to us says, you know, you can have your belief system. Just don't be a fanatic about it. You know what a fanatic is? Does anybody know? All right, I'll tell you. A person... Exhibiting excessive enthusiasm and intense devotion towards a belief. This world says, okay, y'all go ahead and go ahead and go to your church on, uh, you know, go ahead once a week, whatever you do. All right. But don't get, don't get overexcited about it, Brother Mark. Don't get, don't, don't jump in. Just kind of, just kind of, you know, do your time and go on. But that's okay. You, you can have your belief system, but don't get too thrilled or excited about it. Fanatic is someone who says, you know what? My belief is in Jesus. I'm devoted to Him. And I'm really enthusiastic about it. I feel like tonight that I'm in the crowd, of, I'm in the midst of a crowd of people who are excited about serving Jesus. No one's twist, hey, no one twisted our arm to come to church Sunday, tonight, I hope. Why do we come? Because we love Him. That's why we did it. Because we're excited about it. I guess we call us fanatics for Jesus. Why? Because we chose to get all in. We chose to live our life for the Lord. The things of God are exciting. They bring enthusiasm. I have been teaching the Abundant Life class since 1996. And you know what? I, 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 would have to, I was excited about it back then. But I can honestly tell you, I am more excited about it today than ever. Back then it was the Abundant Life young adult class. Today, it's the abundant life. Put your teeth in your mouth and try to make it through the doorway. We're going to teach something from the Word of God. No, that's not that. But I'm telling you, hey, through the years, but you know what? It's exciting. Let me, let me tell you something this evening. Let's keep that all-in spirit. That's, hey, as far as I can remember and even what I heard about this church before we came 27 years ago, this is an all-in church. This is, hey, this is a church full of people who said, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. He brought me out of that mess. I don't want to be close to it. I don't want to hug up to it. I don't want to hold its hand. I want to be all in. And I want to serve Jesus with a passion. This world has some all in type of uh, activities and entertainment. And I'm not saying that that's bad. But I'm saying they should not be more all in under their excitement and entertainment, than we are for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm excited about teaching the class. I guess I'm a fanatic. I had the opportunity, I've had the opportunity for several years now to lead singing and the choir. And you know what? I'm excited about it. I love it. Man, sometimes uh, I get so excited about the choir song, I lose where I'm at in the book. 
And that's dangerous because I'm supposed to be leading. Sometimes I have to say, all right, Chris, don't get so excited because you've got you to keep everybody moving forward. It's an exciting thing. Matter of fact, any ministry that I've ever been a part of at Grandview Baptist Church, I've had the opportunity to, to be a part of or whatever. It's exciting. It's a wonderful thing. And so I am exhibiting excessive enthusiasm and I have a deep devotion to serve Jesus and pointing people to Him. Isn't it a wonderful thing to be a Christian? Aren't you thankful that you're in an environment that's an all-in environment? Man, let's do this. we got some big days coming up. Uh, oh, I'm looking forward to Grandparents' Day. I'm all in. I have never in my life looked forward to Grandparents' Day like I am next Sunday. I just can't wait to see what the church is going to do for me. Anyway. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll be moving tables and chairs just like the rest of the staff. Okay. But anyway. Okay. Hey, we got some great things coming up. Uh, what's some of the activities or events we have coming up? Uh, um, tailgate Sunday. We're going to reach people for the Lord on that day. You know what? We're going to be all in. We're going to be all in on Pumpkin Sunday. We pay. Hey, the Lord brought people to us last year. He's going to do it again. That's why we get all in. That's why we do these things. We don't do these things because we don't have anything else to do. We do these things because we believe that God has placed us here in Beaver Creek to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not going to be cold. We're not going to be lukewarm. We're going to be hot. We're going to be all in. And Moses told Pharaoh, no, mm -mm. I'm not just I'm not just crossing the line and just being not so far. God has called us out to bring us in, and that's what we're going to do. Um, we see here that uh, I want to share a verse with you here, and just so that I stay on track with what we have. But in Mark twelve thirty, the Bible says, "And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what all thy heart and all thy soul." And with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And Moses saying, I'm all in. You're not going to disrupt my faithfulness to obeying the Lord. Well, uh, Moses, of course, or excuse me, Pharaoh heard that response, and his attempt failed, but yet the, still the children of Israel did not leave. His next attempt is found in Exodus chapter 10, in verses 8 through 11. I want to read those to you quickly here this evening. And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but who are they that shall go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, and with our flocks and with our herds we will go. For we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go in your Little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. But then he makes this statement. He says, not so. Go now ye that are men and serve the Lord. For they that, or excuse me, for that ye did desire. And they were driven from the presence or, or out of Pharaoh's presence. Moses is answering back and he's saying, all of us are going. Pharaoh says... Not so. You can let the men, or it, it could imply all the adults, you can let the men and the adults go, but leave the children in Egypt. Now, why would Pharaoh want the children left in Egypt? Do you think he 
loved the children and wanted to start a daycare for all the families. See, if they left their children, then their children would be indoctrinated by the Egyptian culture into the belief system. If they left their children, then Pharaoh would have an opportunity to indoctrinate them in that belief system. And basically what he was saying, and my next point is, an attempt to disrupt their families. Their faithfulness, but then an attempt to disrupt their families. See, Pharaoh knew, he knew, I'm not going to change your mind. But just leave your children here. Just leave them here. Now, if we all have to be honest, sometimes after spending several days with our children, we wouldn't mind leaving them somewhere, okay? But that's temporary, okay? You know what I'm saying? Pharaoh says, leave the children here and the men go. You guys go. Go ahead and do your thing. I'm not going to change your mind. You're, You're set on it. Does that sound like anything familiar to today's society and humanistic philosophy? Do any of you see a resemblance in what we are up against in our world today? Our society says, since we aren't going to change your mind, we'll work to indoctrinate your children. And it's interesting, and I'm not, I'm not, try, I'm not getting political here, I'm just getting practical. Because it's real. And here's what's happening. They don't, you, you notice, they don't call them your children. They call them their children. Our children need a, uh, and, and they'll, they'll, hey, a, a well-known, I, I can't say popular, uh, politician in the last few weeks or a couple of months ago was given a speech, and in that speech there were children present, and that politician referred to himself as their daddy. I'm your daddy. Look, there, there is an agenda in our society, and they want to, they're not going to change your mind. But just give us the children. Parents have been demonized because they raise questions and concerns about how their children are taught. Let me just say this, and I'm I'm, I'm being careful, and I'm fine with this. Uh, You have every right to ask a question about your children. They're your children. They're not their children. They're your children. God gave them to you. And it's a sad day in America whenever people come up with a... I'm talking about a... a uh, I, I haven't listened to every parent. Maybe there have been some that were off the wall. I don't know. But what I'm saying is you have every right to approach a group of people and say, I don't believe, th- I don't believe this ought to be taught in our school. Right? You know, and we see this, and now they're being demonized. They're the problem. And you know what? In our society today, we have to be careful about that. And we have, we have parents in our society today say, you know what? You're not teaching my child that. You're not keeping my children in Egypt. I'm raising my children. God gave them to me, and I'm going to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You're not reading that book to my child. My child's going to be, I'm going to be sharing with him some biblical uh, uh, philosophies from the Word of God. You're not showing those pictures to my child. My child is not going to be in that environment. You know, um, I think Zoom teaching was, is, is kind of frustrating to the teacher, no matter what setting you're in. But if it did anything good at all, it helped parents kind of see, and I'm speaking in a secular sense, see what's really going on. Because their child was sitting there listening, and the parent could walk by and say, what'd they say? 
What are they teaching in that room? I think that's kind of what sparked some of the what's going on around here mentality. I'm telling you this evening, there is, a, there is an agenda that says, you know what? Just leave your children here. I'm not going to change your mind. You know, it used to be when I was growing up that cartoons, you could trust any cartoon you wanted. Man, what happened to Bugs Bunny and Friends? Do I have an amen on that? Okay, I'm saying. Saturday morning, bowl of cereal. Hang that. Box of cereal, gallon of milk. You know what I'm saying? You know what the world did? They've spun a lot of that stuff. Some of the cartoons are so ungodly and vile and humanistic, but it's a cartoon. Again, I'm not trying to get off on this in a political sense at all. I'm trying to get off on it because our families, our families are being, at least they're trying to tear our families apart. And that's not going to happen. Now, you say, uh, why is teaching and the care of our children so important anyway? Well, because children are important to Jesus. Jesus loves the little children. What does the Word of God have to say about children? Well, there's a few verses here that I want to share with you quickly. Psalm 127.3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. God has rewarded, He has placed in the arms of these dear parents, a child to raise in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, it is our responsibility to lovingly do that. Matthew nineteen fourteen. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. I really like this one. Mark nine forty two, And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone... Do you know what a millstone is? I'm going to tell you in a minute. It was better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. Now, um, you kind of get the impression that Jesus doesn't want to mess around with people who try to turn their, uh, the eyes of the child away from the Lord and godly things. A millstone was, could, could weigh up to an excess of 2,000 or more pounds, and it was used at least for one use, was grinding grain. Can you imagine, do you think it would take a millstone to make them, if you tied it around someone's neck, it would make them sink? I mean, you could use a smaller you know, boulder or rock or whatever. Jesus was pretty emphatic with it. He said, I tell you what, you mess with the children... Go get me a rope and go over there and get one of the millstones. I'll figure, we'll figure it out. It would be better that that was put around your neck and you were cast into the sea than for you to mess around with the next generation and try to turn their eyes and their hearts away from a loving Heavenly Father. Moses said, you're not getting the children. You know what? We've got to do the same thing. Now, we don't do it with a bad spirit. Please don't misunderstand me. But we do it on purpose and emphatically. We say, I'm going to point my children to Jesus. I'm going to read God's word daily with them. I'm going to go to ch- we're going to go to church together. Jesus started the church. We're uh, teaching a brand new series of lessons in our Sunday school class called Real Church. And I love the first lesson. It lays an incredible foundation. And I told everyone in class, and, and I think most everybody knows this, but I just want to lay a foundation and say, you know, a group of people didn't get together and, and say, hey, you know, let's, 
let's uh, create this environment. Let's, 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 let's create church, so to speak. No, Jesus did. Jesus did. We will have our children in church. And I like the way Joshua said it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I don't think Joshua said it with a frown and a, a, a gruelly face. Ah, bless God for me and my... I think, he, I think he looked up toward heaven with a smile and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Get on the wagon, children. It's church time. I mean, see, we can enjoy serving Jesus. It is not a hassle. It is not a burden. And we can pass that on to our next generation. Um, That means we're going to love people and point them to the Savior. I am so thankful. And I'm going to move on. I, I see the time. But I am so thankful for this environment where we've had the opportunity to raise our family. Not a perfect environment because there's not a perfect church. But we have had the opportunity through these years to be involved and take advantage of what the church had to offer in helping us raise our children. It wasn't just a wife and a husband who did it all. No, it was a Sunday school teacher, many of them. were coaches throughout the years. Good, godly laymen who were like aunts and uncles to our children. Good, godly laymen who were like uh, grandparents to me. I'm thinking of Carl Rich at the moment. Uh, good, good, godly people, you'll get that in a minute, who pointed our children to Jesus. That's priceless. And that's exactly the kind of environment that I want to encourage everyone with young children who are raising a family. Hey, the church is not perfect. But Jesus did start it, and He did it for a reason. And we take advantage of what we have here. And we say, you know what? I'm going to raise my children. And I'm going to invest in their life, and I'm going to point them to Jesus. And you know what? We're going to have a good time doing it. And there is a a way to do that. Moses refused Pharaoh's attempt. More plagues came. And we see Pharaoh's last attempt quickly in verse uh, 24 of chapter 10. Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go, you serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Hmm. Let your little ones also go with you. Okay, so you see there in that phrase of this passage, Pharaoh says, Okay, I know before your little ones aren't going to go with you, but let your little ones go with you. Let your flocks and herds be stayed. Moses said, thou, thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not one hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. And basically, Pharaoh is saying here in closing, he's saying, Okay, you can all go. You can go past the day's journey, get out there like you said God told you to do, and you can take your children. Just leave your herds and your flocks behind. Now, what's the big deal with that? Well, the big deal is that was their sacrifice and offerings to God. And so, in essence, that was their possessions, or if we could say their, their finances. You see, even today... The tempter is after your faithfulness, he's after your family, and he's after your finances. And, Mo, and, and Pharaoh says, just leave your finances here. Don't invest in, 
in, in godly things. And don't sacrifice to the Lord. And don't give of your, your uh, offering or your finances, if you will, uh, to do anything that would be godly or promote uh, the Lord's work. Don't do that. And we see, lastly, an attempt to disrupt their finances. Pharaoh attempts to, give, to keep what they would have given to God. You don't need to give that to God. Leave it here and let, let Egypt have it. You know, and we, we see that even today in philosophies if we're not care of. You don't need to tithe. You can't afford to do that. You know what I found out a long time ago? I can't afford not to. Now, I had parents who, who instilled that into my brother and I at a very young age. Everyone did not have that. And I understand that we're all at different stages in our walk with the Lord. But could I just encourage you tonight to take God at His word? Prove me now herewith. I'm going to paraphrase that. I don't have it word for word. But prove me now herewith. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing of which you cannot contain. See, the Bible teaches us that it's better for us to obey the Lord in our finances and live on 90% and trust the Lord and give back to Him at least the tithe than it would be to trust ourselves with 100% and try to figure out what in the world we're going to do. And see, Satan is after that. He's saying, now, I am not in any way, shape, or form speaking or preaching or teaching anything against having things Uh, possessions, that's not even the point. The point is that if possessions begin to own us, then there's a problem. If we begin to be more concerned about worldly things than we are spiritual things, if we're more concerned about Egypt than eternity, then there's a problem. And so Moses, once again, he says, "Uh uh-uh, that's not going to happen. You're not getting our finances. We believe in investing in the Lord. This is what we're using to sacrifice for the Lord. And we are not going to take you up on that offer. Now, the Bible teaches us something here in a, in a verse that I want to share with you quickly. Proverbs 3, 9, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with thy what? Substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase. Have we increased? Well, if we have, the Bible teaches us to honor the Lord with our substance and with what? The first fruits of all our increase. And so even in that one verse, and there's many others uh, that speak about our our finances and our giving and whatnot. uh, But even in that one verse, we see the importance of not giving of our possessions and our finances to things that would not matter for eternity's sake, so to speak, but what would matter for the cause of Christ. Moses is saying, you know what? We're going to be faithful to God, go three days journey. We're going to take our children, and we're going to take our herds and our flocks with us. And what's interesting is, and I'm not going to read it to you for sake of time, but what's interesting in chapter 12, when finally God gets Pharaoh's attention, we see that in very, it's verbatim, it talks about, The adults go, the children go, the flocks and herds go. Everything goes. Just as God commanded, Moses obeyed. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Just real briefly as we conclude. There could be some here this evening that say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm not watering down my faithfulness to you. I refuse to be complacent. 
Yet there could be some who's allowed an all-in spirit to leave their life and their mindset. There are those who say, Lord, these children are a reward from you. I'm going to raise them to follow you exclusively. They do not belong to this world. I know we live in this world, but we are not of this world. As well, there could be some tonight that say, Lord, what I own is because of you, and I will honor you first with it. Do we see tonight in this short period of time how the tempter was after Moses, and he used this Pharaoh to try to get him in these three areas. And even today, we have to be watchful of these areas in our own lives. We're standing to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, the music's playing. If the Lord has spoken to your heart about something, dealing with this message or not, faithfulness to the Lord, being all in, maybe it's something to do with your family. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord could be something dealing with our finances. Lord, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm I'm going to take it at your word. Prove me now, God says. Many in the room tonight, if not all of us, have done that. And we have seen the blessings of the Lord pour out more than we can contain. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, you know, I do not know for sure that I'm even on my way to heaven. It could be that you're watching on our live stream service as we speak and you're You you know you're not on your way to heaven. Could I encourage you this evening to settle that? Would you pray something along the lines of this? Dear Jesus, I know I'm on my way to hell. I know I'm not going to heaven. But I trust in you to forgive me. I trust in you to give me a home in heaven. It's not those specific words that save us, but it is that heartfelt prayer to the Lord acknowledging our need of a Savior and our request of forgiveness. there be any in the room tonight or even online as we mentioned who would pray that. We rejoice with you knowing that you know you're on your way to heaven. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we have and I pray that you'll bless during this time of decision. I pray Lord that you would help each one I pray that you would guide and direct and give us uh, what we need to move forward for the cause of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for decisions that are made. Thank you for a group of people who, as far as I know, as we interact with each other, are all in. They love their families, they're pointing them to you, and they believe in giving back to you. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that you would bless in uh, the remainder of this time and as we enter into this next week. Would you do a great and mighty work in all of our lives? And we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We have uh, video announcements to uh, conclude our service. You may be seated. Pastor Justin, if you need to come up for anything, uh, we're good. Okay. Let's take a few seconds and watch the upcoming events, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you. Churchwide Outreach will meet Saturday, September 16th at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and help us as we endeavor to pass out thousands of invitations to two of our upcoming events, Tailgate Sunday and Pumpkin Sunday.
We are having an exciting trip coming up October 12th. We're going on the Mount Hood Railway from Hood River to Parkdale. We are going to have an exciting time. We have a box lunch waiting for us when we arrive. The whole trip takes about an hour and a half. We leave from the church for $50 per person. Sign up today. We had 35 tickets purchased. We had 38 people sign up, so we have purchased more. Now 60 of us can go from the church, so sign up today. Join us next Sunday as we celebrate Grandparents' Day in our 11 a.m. service. We'll be recognizing grandparents in the service, and we will have a free meal to follow for those grandparents and their families in attendance. Awanas will be starting back this Wednesday, September 6th. Every week, the children will get to play games and get prizes for completing workbooks and scripture memory. Throughout the year, there will be fun-themed nights where the kids can dress up according to the theme. Awana is for children 2 years old through 5th grade, and there is an annual club fee of $40 or $20 if the child already has a uniform. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We're dismissed. Thank you. Mm -hmm.